glory. Ha, 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 ha. If you want some real, real, anointed, strongly, potently anointed oil and essence of heaven's gladness, prophetic worship time glory, check it out, joelsbar.tv. That was tremendous. Those were some of my favorite prophetic anointed secular songs that once the anointing touches it, <laughs> you notice how anointed that was? There's nothing secular about it after the anointing touches it. That's why the enemy is so scared of the anointed ones coming forth. What's the other name for anointed ones? Christians. Christians means anointed ones, plural. Ones that have Christ in them. You're an anointed one. And so the enemy is incredibly scared of your anointing. Because if your anointing touches something, then the kingdom takes it over. But we're so religious that we don't take over society, we don't take over the seven mountains, we don't take over government, we don't take over music, we don't take over art, we don't take over business, we don't take over Wall Street, we don't take over anything. It's like we live in our little Christian box, like good little lemmings of Jezebel. That's exactly how it is. It's the principality of Jezebel that's kept you neuter neutered. Neutered. You know what that means? castrated, weak and powerless. That's the principality of Jezebel working against your freedom and abundant life in the anointing oil. Most of you still are so religious, you're like wondering, is it a Christian song or a non-Christian song? Do you know if the anointing's on it? The anointing's not asking questions like that. That's a religious spirit. That's a demon. Well, has it been touched by my church or your church? Well, that's a religious spirit. That's a demon. The issue is Christ filled the universe. That's what Colossians says. And if, if Christ fills your brain, you share in his freedom and abundant life. And guess what? You get to take over the universe. You start with your little world, your family, and your sphere of influence, and everyone around you. And you really do. You... It's wonderful. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the outer ends of the earth. You let the tree of life, which is the tree of the anointing oil, called the olive tree. Amen? Did you know that the tree of life is an olive tree? People are like, well, I saw pomegranates. You can see whatever you want. But the Bible actually tells you several times what the tree of life is. It's the olive tree of Israel, the olive tree, and the anointing is the fruit of the tree of life. So you can say, yeah, there's blueberries on it, or whatever you want, but the Bible, <laughs> you, you know, people are real weird, and they got a lot of bad interpretations of Scripture that aren't, that aren't really anointed. The safest bet is, don't go beyond what is written. Amen? You know the verse? Do not go beyond what is written. But there's enough written in there that you haven't even touched that... You start reading some of that stuff and you realize real quickly that Jesus is not a religious spirit. That the Father is not a religious spirit. That this thing is not only a love letter, but it's going to mess you up. It's going to turn you into the most rebellious person in the world. You start reading the book of Acts. You start reading Paul's epistles, John on Patmos, of how rebellious these apostles were towards the spirit of the world. It'll mess you up. 
You'll become a renegade. You'll become someone that won't back down to the intimidation of the spirit of Babylon. You have to become a champion and a warrior of the word and the spirit and the blood to stand up against the pressure to be religious. Do you understand that that's the whole pressure of Satan and his angels? Satan and his angels are religious angels. Most of you don't even get it at all. And it's that external pressure on your brain to perform and be good is the pressure of Satan and his angels. <laughs> there is a light here that fell from heaven that wishes it were the morning star, but is absolutely not the bright morning star. Do you know what the morning star is? It's the spirit word. That's exactly what it is. The spirit and the word is a ball of fire. Acts chapter 9. You see the spirit word. You see the morning star. Levitating 40 feet off the ground. A ball of fire. There is the sun of the third heaven. There is the solar system sun of the third heaven. Now, what is the first reaction to the religious Pharisee, Saul of Tarsus? Blinded. Blinded. Fell off his horse. Blinded. And, acknowledge, and acknowledging a superior light. Who are you, Lord? Saul, it is Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is Jesus whom you are persecuting. The morning star is Jesus whom you are persecuting. Religion persecutes the fireball, the sun. Hallelujah. Now what happens when this ball of fire greets you with a prophetic word? Don't you understand that ball of fire is the prophetic word and it greets you. It greeted Saul. It didn't kill him. <laughs> it should have. That would have been justice under the law. He's going around killing Jesus's, that ball of fire's best friends. But instead of killing eye for eye, like it says in Levitical code, if you kill someone, then that you must be killed. Instead of the death penalty under the Levitical law, Jesus, the fireball of grace, blinds him, so there is punishment. Grace does punish the law. Grace does punish religion. It does. There's punishment. It blinds it. It blinds it. It shows that the ways of the brain are a total darkness. All religions, including Christianity and Judaism and every, and every religion in the world of the brain, is a, is a ball of darkness. It's literally a black rock that fell from heaven. Sound like something you know? <clears throat> Mecca. <clears throat> it's literally a black star, a dying star, a fallen star. That's what religion is. It's an external sun. And when the morning star, which is the spirit word, confronts the dark star of the religious devil, or the religious word, what happens? It's blinded, and it exposes that all man's religions of the brain are death, disease. He's blind. Blindness is a disease. So it, it shows that what you're actually practicing out of your brain, with all the good intentions of your heart, 
obeying all the Old Testament like a good Pharisee, doing the best you can in your own brain, being a good steward, being very reasonable, and the most highly educated religious people who are trying sincerely to obey the Bible. That's the severity here. Are still absolute reprobates of the brain. Oh my God. Acts chapter 9 is in the Bible for your benefit to understand the fullness of religion in Saul of Tarsus and the fullness of grace in that levitating fireball, Jesus Christ. And when those two conflicted, who won? Jesus won. That's when Saul asked Jesus into his heart. It's true. And then he was blinded for three days. You read about other people blinded in the book of Acts. The only people ever blinded in Acts were sorcerers of religion. So, when the morning star rises in our hearts, the first people to be turned into total darkness and blindness are the religious people of the brain. Just like Saul of Tarsus, just like Simon Bar-Jesus, just like Simon the sorcerer, every single sorcerer in the book of Acts was blinded when confronted. Isn't that wild? Acts 9, you see the, the fireball Jesus Christ blind Saul, and Saul get possessed with the morning star. And then going out years and years later, like 20 to 40 years later, and being so possessed with that fireball of the spirit word that when he encountered men that were like him in his previous life, he gave them the same encounter and blinded them. You will be blind for a season. He didn't kill them. He had mercy on them because God had mercy on him. He could have killed them. Trust me. You walk in that much power, you can kill warlocks, you can kill witches, you can kill religious people. You can. Look at Ananias and Sapphira. Peter killed them. But there's a better way of doing things. There is. Because everyone's already dead anyway. And sometimes people are going to die anyway because they have no intentions of ever softening their heart. You know, some people have hardened their heart unto death. But I know if there's any life in you at all, any desire for light and life and the Word and the Spirit and Jesus and the good things in heavenly Jerusalem, He can soften anyone's stony heart from the place of being a warlock of Satan, like all the sorcerers in the book of Acts. Every single one gets blinded. That's what's going to happen here. Religion and the light of religion and the goodness of man's brain will be blinded and exposed as a black rock that fell from heaven. It's the brain. It's a black rock. It's sorcery. There's no goodness of the flesh. The flesh counts for nothing. All our righteousness is filthy rags. We say those verses, but we don't understand the transition from living out of our brain to living out of our spirit. That's the great awakening. When the Christians that speak in tongues, prophesy, love healing the sick, you know, and love God, love the Bible, love their neighbor. I mean, there are millions of people like us, millions of Christians like us, that speak in tongues, that love Jesus, that praise and worship, and read their Bible. I mean, we're charismatic Christians. We are. We're Pentecostal, charismatic, prophetic Christians, you know. We're glory Christians, and, and we might be all at different levels, but we are the charismatic tribe, even if some are more advanced than others. And the next 
level for all of us together is going from our brains to our bellies. And the thing is, if you need a verse for it, that's John 7.38 in the King James Version. It says, out of your belly. You have to understand that heart is not talking about your flesh ever in any mention of heart in the Old Testament or the New Testament. It's talking about your spirit. So in your spirits in your belly, this is basic foundational revelation that God builds upon the solid rock of your spirit in your belly and not the shifting sands of the soul of your brain. If you don't have the foundations of the two trees in the garden, the brain and the spirit, those are the two trees in the garden. The abilities of the brain and the abilities of the spirit. Romans chapter 8, the two trees in the garden. The spirit controlled the brain, peace with God. The brain fights the spirit, enmity towards God. So you got the carnal mind and the mind of Christ. So you got consciousness out of brain, I'm in control, which is Phariseeism. That's what's darkened and exposed to being Satan. That's what the devil is. That's what the chief of the beasts of all the field is. That's the mark of the beast. Beast is living out of the flesh of your brain. Every time in the New Testament it talks about flesh, it's not talking about your hand. It's not talking about your kneecap and your ligaments and your joints. Flesh always refers to the brain. <laughs> it's Seriously. Okay? That's the only thing the fallen angels speak in. They're not going to lead you astray by speaking into your shin. Okay? They're not leading you astray by speaking into your calf muscle. Hello? They only lead you astray by speaking into the flesh, the brain matter, the flesh of your brain. So the whole way to overcome the red dragon, the primal evil, Satan, the accuser of us all, is to get your brain so on fire with Christ in your spirit. Otherwise, you'll be continuously tormented in your brain after you're born again. You need mercies every morning. You need fresh manna every morning. You need the bread of heaven every morning. You need God daily bread. <laughs> you need fresh bread. You need fresh oil. He's anointed my head with fresh oil. This is not a one-time deal when you're born again. This is every single day, first thing when you wake up in the morning, fresh oil on your head, otherwise flies are going to land on your brain and you will eventually go crazy. That's why most Christians don't fulfill their destiny. The majority of Christians, you could say 99% of Christians the last 2,000 years, do not fulfill their destiny. Because your destiny is only in your spirit and 0% in your brain. 0%. The brain is the animal sacrifice, the place of the skull, Jerusalem, the altar of this world. Okay, it's called an altar in the Bible. If you're not bringing your brain to the altar of Jesus Christ's skull hill, Golgotha, meaning the place of the skull, then you're not actually using the new covenant at all. You're not even participating with the new covenant at all. And you're living in old covenant religion, which is me doing it in my brain. That's old covenant religion, which is sorcery. That's what Kabbalah is. That's what Freemasonry is. That's what Eastern Star is. That's what Jewish sorcery is. 
Jesus Christ in Revelation called it a synagogue of Satan. They're practicing sorcery. Anyone who practices religions of the brain practices sorcery, even if they have the entire New Testament memorized. It's not about having the right words. It's about having the right spirit. Satan only tempted Jesus Christ with Scripture, and he's the devil. Every religious demon, the Bible says there's 200 million of them in Revelation chapter 9, 200 million religious demons have the whole Bible memorized, but even though they can quote scripture from beginning to end, it does them no good because it's based on the flesh. It's based on the brain. These are demonic creatures that only work through the brain, and if you crucify your brain with Christ, they have zero influence in your life at all. Zero. You, you won't be tempted anymore. The hotter you burn with the fire of God, you, what are they going to tempt? They, there's no sense, reason, area that's not burning with Shekinah glory that Satan can even get a temptation near you. Anytime Satan throws a temptation at me, it burns up. 100% of the time, it burns up. It burns up in the atmosphere. It usually burns up a great distance away from me. He stopped sending people at me a long time ago because everyone he sent at me gets burnt up. Most of them become friends. They come in like warlocks. They come in like witches. They come in like insanely sexually immoral, lust-filled people, drug addicts and alcoholics. And the closer they get to burning in Christ, you know, temples of the Holy Spirit, making his ministers flames of fire, the closer they get to the flames of fire, the more they just burn. Satan will stop messing with you when you start burning with the Word of God written on your spirit. In Job, it says the morning stars, plural, sang for joy. What is that about? I thought there was just Jesus. Well, he's the firstborn amongst many. Jesus is not ashamed to call you brothers and sisters. You know what that means? He's not ashamed to call you morning stars. Now, what is the morning? That's your new creation reality in Christ. That's your Acts chapter 9, Jesus Christ fireball. That's what you look like in the Spirit. That's what I look like in the Spirit. You look like a sun, S-U-N, of righteousness. How do you get that bright so that you are a star of the third heaven? An angel of the third heaven. An angel-like son of God is what it says in Luke. Yes, and we have a body, so for all the Pharisees watching, you're greater than the angels. So you're greater than archangels, so just deal with that. Have a drink. Anytime you're offended and something contradicts your doctrine and theology, have a drink. More new wine. More new wine. Medicine that helps the surgery go down. Amen. Glory. The sword of the Spirit will cut you, and it will feel good if you're drunk enough. If you're not drunk enough and in your carnal sense, reason, carnal mind, and you're, you got, you're in the beast nature, everything God does will offend you. Just like the Pharisees in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Every single thing the Messiah did offended them. Because he did it in freedom, and he was having fun doing it. Religion's not supposed to be fun. The fun is for Satan. No fun in church. How dare you play secular music? We only play Christian music. Well, yeah, I've seen most of those Christian leaders. Actually, oh, I'm not even going to talk about it. No reason to even bring a smear campaign about people operating in... 60-fold, 30-fold. You know the situation in the world. Our job is just to raise a standard so people can go higher and escape the problems of the world. Raise a standard like Noah, a preacher of righteousness, 
and drowned your world. We'll drown our world. We'll drown, you know, this remnant of a remnant of a remnant here in Red Letter Ministries, this group, which is called the Man-Child Company. That's the only thing God the Father ever asked me to form. He said, this is Gideon's 300. The first month I started full-time ministry in in spring of 2006, he said, this is Gideon's 300. He said it inaudibly. He first said, call your ministry the Red Letter Ministry, and I'll bless this ministry because it'll be my ministry. Audible voice of God in my car driving down the road, senior year of college, North Central University. Call your ministry the Red Letter Ministry. I'll bless this ministry because it'll be my ministry. Audible voice of God. And he said, you'll never, per- you'll never pastor churches, but you'll pastor cities and nations. The audible voice of God told me that in my car. You'll never pastor churches, but you'll pastor cities and you'll pastor nations. And it's going to be through media. I didn't realize it back then, but it's through media. The, our media ministry began in 2008 when the Drunken Glory movement. We started getting so drunk, and there was no drunken glory. There was no passion translation. There was there was no I mean nothing. There was like there was no drunk. We searched the internet. It didn't exist back then. So we started. We're like, dude, this is where it's at. This is the promised land. This is the promise. So we started broadcasting and recording the drunken glory, sowing the drunken glory, sowing the promised land, so we could reap the promised land. You're going to reap what you sow. If you're sowing wine, you're going to reap more wine. And every day, sowing more wine. And a terrible persecution. Awesome, awesome persecution. And really, it's been thrilling. I mean, just literally continuous death threats. I mean, you have no idea. I mean, I get calls from halal markets in New York saying, we're going to kidnap your wife. You know, many times we had to hide our address on our Vice documentary because of how much religious sex literally wanted to murder us. And they tried many times. I've been carjacked twice. I've been shot at several times. I've been shot at once while I was broadcasting with five bullets five feet away from me from my front porch. So, I mean, there's been multiple, multiple death threats to kill me since starting out in full-time ministry. I remember when we did a uh, Bible study over at Christ Church. And I was with my sister from North Central University back then, and we're on fire for God. And we pull up to a stoplight after the Bible study, just burning in the anointing. And we're right on Lake Street, over by Lake Street in Chicago, south side Minneapolis, in front of Sonny's Bar, just at the, at the red light, ready, ready to go to church or something. And these four little gangsters came out right next to us on the corner, like seven feet away pushed this kid's head down right in front of my car window, rolled down, and blew a whole clip into the side of his head, and brain matter splattered all over the ground. And the gun was pointed right at me on the other side of this young black kid's head. I was traumatized for days. I had never seen brain matter in execution-style murder before, and that was the very beginning of Red Letter Ministries. I said, is this what we're getting into? Is this what we're getting into in inner city missions? God was preparing me for for Vietnam in the urban environment because it would be nonstop like that for about a decade and maybe more than a decade, maybe about, you know, 12 years or so. Just four years ago, we had tremendous amounts of murder around our house. It's gotten a lot better lately. It really has. So I'm talking to all my neighbors, ministering to all my neighbors, and I, I check their souls when I talk to them and check out how demonized their brains are, how high on crack they are, 
And it's still messed up. You know how bad the urban environment is in America. And I'm sure it is in other nations as well. But it's intense. The alcoholism, the drug addiction, the heroin. And I know it's in other cities besides Minneapolis because we get reports from all the cities of, of North America, even in Mexico, what's going on in Mexico and Europe and, and Africa and Asia too. We do. I check in on all over the planet, Australia, New Zealand, because it's precious to us. And our generation has been tempted with so much drugs and alcohol like none other. I mean, even the hippies didn't have drugs like this. Hippies in the 60s. There's never been more drugs more readily available for young people. When I was a kid, I got started to get tempted by drugs in the seventh grade. That's when they started offering us drugs, the high schoolers and stuff. But it never used to be like that. You know, you go back 40, 50 years ago, it was unheard of. Unheard of. I mean, you'd have a beer or something, but people were way more normal back then. Now it's like hard drugs being offered to kids in elementary school. You understand that? How bad Satan's trying to kill off this promised land generation with drugs? And unless we raise the standard with the drunken glory, Satan's going to win. The only thing that God has, which is so much more powerful than drugs anyway, but is the thing that the Christians persecute, the drunken glory. The drunken glory is the ecstasies of God, it's simply the love of God, it's the wine of God, it's the glory of God. And unless the youth get into that kind of glory, the drugs are going to get them. And most of the parents are so religious, they'd rather have their kids on marijuana or beer than getting into the ecstasies of God. They've told me that. I've had dozens of parents say, I'd rather have my kids smoking weed than to be on what you're on. Why? Because their brains are full of religious demons. We're going to get their kids anyway. Amen. We're still going to get these kids anyway, even though mostly older generation is so gone to religion. And I know there's some good ones watching now. There's a remnant watching now. But you know how it is out there. These people are completely screwed by the red dragon in their brain. They're like the total reprobate Pharisee mode of the brain, even in charismania. Charismania of the brain is ultimate wickedness. Remember. Jezebel is a prophetess, a false prophetess, but only works amongst people that embrace the prophetic. You need to understand this stuff, because I look around in prophetic circles and people that are 60-fold, and the other 40-fold that's on top of their head is 100% of the time Jezebel. You don't get it yet. When you're, when you're all excited about making money and being drunk on the blood of the saints all the time, and it's all about the next book and the next conference and how to suck the most blood out of people all the time, that's, that's Jezebel. And I look at most ministries, most, and it's about sucking people dry. And it's, they'll give you juice, they'll give you revelation, but it's that 40-fold is Satan. And your promised land, prophetic people, and even people in the glory, your promised land is going higher. And I, I know you can go back like a missionary into the buildings made by human hands. You can go back like a missionary into glory stream and charismatic churches because you're going to get so high you're literally going to have to be a missionary to them some of you are going to be called into missions to rip the roofs off of people's heads and set the captives free from complacent satisfaction set the captives free from prison systems and they don't know you you don't know you're a prisoner when you're in the good until you've seen the perfect and the perfect is so much brighter than the good we've had good 
And no one's saying it's it's bad. Speaking in tongues, tongues is good. Healings, miracles, signs, wonders, good. Charismatic gifts are good. But they're only to get you into a destination called the promised land. You read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it says every single one of those gifts passes away when you enter the promised land, when you enter the fullness. Every single gift of the charismatic church goes away when the hundredfold glory realm of the floods of divine love and ecstasy come, there's no need for it because everyone's drenched and saturated. I mean, everyone can hear the voice of many waters flowing through their brain. So it's not like everyone always needs a prophetic word of encouragement, which is like this big sales thing that they're doing now. It's this weird little prophetic word for everyone all the time stuff. I just, I don't see it in the Bible. It's, it's, it's really immature baby prophetics. It really is. It's, it's not in the scriptures, and it's very infancy-level stuff. You need to get your own river roaring through your hearts and brains. Literally, you need to come to a place where everything that's pouring out of you is prophetic all the time. Do you take a break from the prophetic? Now, that's as unbiblical as it gets. I mean, seriously, the river is the spirit of prophecy. The river is the new wine of the spirit of prophecy. It's the sapphire sea. There's no off switch. It's not like, oh, I have my prophetic word time, and then I have my me time. Give me a prophetic word for me time, and then I do what I want with that prophet. No, you get in the river, and you do the dead man's float, and you let the spirit of prophecy completely take you over from the inside out. And your me time becomes morning star time. Amen. Becomes ball of fire time. Becomes floating over the earth time. And you'll feel like you're floating. You'll feel zero gravity all the time. I mean, I feel like I've been floating for 20 years. i tell you the truth. I feel like I've been constantly high. I am not lying to you. I have been constantly high for 20 years. Constantly high. Now, there's different degrees of it. But this last season's been the sweetest season ever because we go from glory to glory. But I'll be driving around in my car and I can feel my spirit way up in the sky. And I'm just floating. Just weightless. You need to feel weightless all the time. You can feel weightless all the time if you just get the religion off your brain. All you have to do to feel weightless all the time is bring your brain, which is your flesh, to the Holy Ghost fire in your belly and ask that the fire of God, the river of fire, burn up your brain as an animal sacrifice. Your flesh and blood is animal flesh and animal blood. It's literally mammal. Isn't it? You're a mammal? This is mammal blood? This is mammal flesh? Is human flesh different than animal flesh? Not much, is it? No. It's not. So are you going to yield to the animal? Are you going to yield to God the Father, the light being, who created your spirit, the father of spirits or the father of flesh? The chief of the beasts of all the field? The father of the carnal mind? The father of the antichrist mind? Or the father of glory? Two trees in the garden. Are you going to live out of your brain or live out of your spirit? That's heaven and hell. That's grace and law. <laughs> That's destruction or salvation. And there's nothing in between. The in between is the mixture why you got seven billion people confused. Most people are not extremely wicked. Most people are not skilled in Kabbalah, skilled in Masonic arts, skilled in the fallen angels that fell from heaven, skilled in the second heaven's sons, skilled in the, the lights that are darkness, 
Most people are not skilled in the magic arts. They have no knowledge of the Necronomicon. They have no knowledge of necromancy and working in the realm of the dead in relationship with demons and summoning hell through their spirit as an open grave. Most people are not magicians in Babylon. Most. Very rare. Magicians are rare. But Daniel is still nevertheless the master of the magicians in Babylon. So God has to raise up anointed ones, apostles and prophets, that are more mature in all the things of the Spirit than the magicians in Babylon. That's important. Otherwise, what, they're going to go around, they'll be killing your sheep, they'll be stealing all your money, they'll be messing with all your flock, they'll be wolves in sheep's clothing, you have false prophets and false apostles, you have Jannes and Jambres everywhere, you have Balaam, son of Beor, infiltrating all your ranks, and it'd just be a mess. That's why you have to be more ma mature and more spiritual in the things of the Spirit and understanding the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that you come out of the, the sorceries of the brain in order to train them in righteousness. Now, I'm not saying you need to learn all the magic arts, but as you come out of the brain into the Spirit, you're going to deal with people coming out of the occult every single day. Because religion is the occult. There's occult in every church in the world. Oh, not my church. Oh, I guarantee in your church. The only place there is not a drop of the occult is on the mountain of transfiguration where there's no shelters and you're in the fullness of the glory of the Father. That's the only place in this universe you're going to find occult-free Christianity. It's true because Jezebel's a witch. It's witchcraft. So anytime you're carnally minded, you're operating in the occult. You're casting magic spells, manipulation, you're praying witchcraft prayers, manipulative prayers, word curses on people, and you got doctrines in your brain, and you're trying to control everyone out of your brain. That's occult. That's sorcery. You're practicing sorcery. And if you just bring the soul, your soul, your brain, your flesh, to the altar and burn it as an animal sacrifice, like the Bible prescribes in the New Covenant, well, then the Father's righteousness, the Father's grace, the Father's glory, the Father's goodness, the Father's healing will pour out of your innermost being and flood and drown your brain and you'll no longer practice witchcraft. You'll no longer practice the carnal nature, the manipulation of the flesh, the getting what you want in your brain, the trying to control others with your brain, and even using the Bible to control people. They do it all the time. The only place you'll find manipulation-free, which is occult-free Christianity, is on the top of the mountain of transfiguration. And that's what this Son of God company, this man-child company, is called to demonstrate in the name of Jesus Christ. Strengthen our platform. Get our platform bigger. Your donations magnify this platform and this sonship message worldwide. Donate at redlettermen.com and be blessed. We'll see you tomorrow. Amen.